Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. However, I'd like you just to have a vision for a moment. What kind of caring church would you like to see? What would you like to be involved in? What, what is the atmosphere of care that you'd love there to be here? Where there is nobody that is not being cared for by somebody. Where it is uh, an atmosphere where people feel accepted, whoever they are. Can you start to uh, visualise that? Well, today is one of the primary keys for achieving exactly that. So, listen up. For the last three weeks, we've looked, first of all, with Fergus at the relationship between Paul and Timothy, and uh, we've seen the Sim and Timothy model going on here. Um, And uh, we saw what their relationship was and um, the desirability of that relationship. And we, uh, just if I could note at this point, mentoring is uh, quite a, a good popular word these days, but the scriptural word for mentoring is discipling. And the, the difference between the two is you can mentor somebody in how to clean your shoes. You can mentor somebody in how to play football. But discipling always has a spiritual authority underneath it. So we, those two words, read them the same, but see the spiritual authority. And then we've had Neil talking about the leadership and the, um, the way in which care comes through the leadership, the overseeing and shepherding. And uh, I listened to that one doing a, uh, uh, on the podcast because I wasn't there at the time. And I was at the time fixing my son's uh, shower This is my son, Ali, over here, who I will refer to later on, uh, and uh, lives up in Birmingham. And I was listening to that podcast. Can I encourage you, if you miss out on a Sunday, really good to catch up when you've got something to do like uh, ironing or washing up. He also debunked the uh, uh, one-man pastoral model. We're looking at something much greater than that, and we'll see what in a moment. And then Tim showed us how to rescue more than one David uh, by throwing out a lifeline down here. Didn't know quite which David he was after, but do you remember the four pictures that he had? And uh, that was uh, a great ammunition for our uh, time together on um, uh, Wednesday last. Now, we've got a good deal of background here, so today we're looking in particular to put it into practice. But... How are we going to do that? What's the best way to achieve a church where everybody is cared for? Let's look first of all at Matthew 28 and verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them. Now that's the disciples. Those were the people that he had been investing in over the last three years. And he said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
There was a very specific command that he gave there. Not, uh, perhaps if you'd like to think about it, this might be a nice idea, but rather a command that Jesus gave to us to go and make disciples. The command of Jesus was to go and make disciples. That's exactly what he said. And that's what we're trying to put into practice in the best way we can today. It wasn't about going uh, out and, uh, and putting some money into a mission fund or um, saying to the uh, key evangelists in the church, go out and do your stuff. I'm supporting you in prayer. It was go and make disciples. What does that really mean? Let's have a look. In Hebrews 5, we see that uh, the writer to the Hebrews was saying, when you are mature, then you will put into practice the things that are right and you will be able to teach others. That's his definition in Hebrews 5. And that's the sort of thing that we're looking at at the moment. There is an echo of that uh, passage there. Teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. So we look at Paul and his ministry with Timothy. And we see that he had significant discipling relationships. Paul taught Timothy. He took him with him on trips. He worked with him in Ephesus and then left him there as the church leader. And uh, he involved him ever so much in his life. We can see from his epistles that his relationship involved a number of things. Encouragement, for example. He uh, spent time making sure that Timothy was encouraged. He gave him instruction. Here is um, a, a saying that is worthy of consideration. He gave him instruction. Exhortation. He encouraged him to do the things that, uh, uh, or to move in the gifts that had been prayed into him earlier on. He gave him teaching that he could use then with the people he was teaching. He gave him practical hints on, on things. Oh, avoid this man. He wasn't too useful to me. Uh, avoid him. Um, he gave him warnings um, and, uh, and things in the, those passages. If you look through the books of 1 and 2 Timothy, you'll see that he gave a lot of, uh, of these things, practical hints and teaching and exhortation. These are the marks of a discipling relationship. And we'll look at that just a little bit more in a moment as far as we're concerned. But uh, I want to just draw your attention to a verse in 1 Corinthians and chapter 3 and the first four verses. It says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? So what he's saying is, I don't want a personality cult called the Paul followers. 
And we're not looking at the moment at the opportunity to have people who are following us and we can have a big cult of, of we are special. It's nothing like that. It's to encourage people to be followers of Christ and then in our relationship to enjoy a mutual relationship. And I was a bit fascinated to hear how uh, uh, Sim with Tim has, has been a, a, a developing relationship that's changing as time goes on. And uh, God wants us to have that kind of relationship so that we can see people growing up in the faith. Now let's have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 that says, The things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be able to, qual- to teach others, qualified to teach others. So we see there are four, re- four generations here. Paul taught Timothy... Timothy taught other men who were then qualified to teach the next generation. There are four generations there, and that is the pattern that Paul wants to convey to Timothy. Let's not just you and me have a cosy relationship. That would be really nice, wouldn't it? But rather, let's see this really going, multiplying within the church. So what is the goal of discipling? The goal of discipling is maturity. The goal of discipling is maturity. For each one of us, that's going to be a different thing. It's going to look very different according to who we are. We're all unique, and God made us to be that way. So in my relationship with somebody... It won't necessarily be the same as Sim's relationship with Tim. We're working with different material. We are different people. So let's make a little definition. This is my own personal definition, so it obviously has its shortcomings, but how about this? Discipling is equipping an individual to be the person that God has created them to be, drawing out all the facets of gifting and ability in their context of a godly life. I think it's got some things to commend it. And I'd just like to say how different my four children are. And I want to say also that I am just so blessed that each one of the four of them in their own areas, have gone well beyond anything I have been able to do. And I'd love you to have the same outlook as far as discipling is concerned. Have a connection, a relationship with somebody where all the abilities in them are just flourishing and coming out and being developed. I'd like, in that context, for Sim to come and share something of what... um, Uh, happened in his relationship with a certain son of his. Exactly. Now, I did clear this through with Zach this morning, who's sitting in the front row, looking a little bit uncomfortable already. Uh, But but those of you who are parents will understand some of this stuff of mentoring. There's a little bit of a mirroring with being a parent. 
and bringing up people uh, to maturity. Someone said to me the other day, we shouldn't talk about bringing up children, we should talk about bringing up adults. Mm. Because actually we don't want children, do we? We don't want dependence, we want independence. You be able to do their own things, as Trevor just mentioned. Um, and so when Zach was younger, he's now 18, and he's sitting here looking at me, seriously, Dad. When Zach was younger, we've got a lovely picture here, I believe. Ah, there he is. He didn't have big feet, he was wearing my shoes. <laughs> just to clarify that. But Zach used to do this thing where I remember when he was a baby, I don't know why we do this as parents. We want our, ch our babies to walk, but probably before they really should be. And we do that thing where we hold them by our little fingers. You ever remember this? And you walk them around because you want them to walk. And then as soon as they do, you wish they would just stay still. But I remember <laughs> this moment with Zach and I would, I would walk him around the lounge and we'd take turns. Eventually that comes that moment where he lets go of my hand and he does it all by himself and grabs the coffee table or the sofa, whatever's nearest. You remember those moments? And suddenly he's walking. And as a parent, it's like going, my son just walked. I don't think it's ever happened as before, as incredible as it has. I think he's probably the first person ever to walk. <laughs> Maybe not, but I had that moment of pride. And I remember a few years later, then Zach kind of comes to me and says, Dad, I think we're time and we're ready for the bicycle. And so we get the bike out with the stabilizers on with his, uh, do you remember the little Batman hooter you had on the front, the Joker hoot on the front? There we go, we've got a little picture for you, Zach, in case you'd forgotten. There he is. And there is Zach on his, on his bike and he had the stabilizers on and he was pretty wobbly, let's say that, but there was that moment where you do the thing, you, you know, you take the stabilizers off and as a parent, you run along with your hand underneath the saddle. You remember, some of you are nodding. You run along like this awkward little run. And I remember we were down Little Hampton Seafront, Musebrook Park, and we we're running along, my hand on the saddle. And, and Zach must have the most sensitive bottom in the world. Because if I took my hand a millimeter away from the saddle, he knew about it. He said, Dad, you've let go, you've let go. I said, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And eventually comes that moment, you're running along, and you just pretend, and you let go, and you still run, because you want him to think you're still holding on. And he's doing it. And he's going, Dad, I'm doing it. I'm cycling, I'm going, I'm doing it myself. Dad, how do I stop? How do I stop? <laughs> and Zach perfected the art of just falling off the bike. He would just jump off and the bike would be in a big pile on the floor. Do you remember that one? It was a great way of, and we, we got there in the end. Then came that moment, just a year and a half ago, Zach came to see me. He said, Dad, I think we're ready for uh, driving a car. Driving a car. This is where we got a bit nervous. And so Zach and I would go out driving in his little red car. Well, technically, it's Lottie's red car that he borrowed. I think we've got a picture. There he is. And after 18 months, he passed his driving test just a, a few weeks ago. And there's that moment where he pulls off the drive all by himself. And if you've ever had a child do this, you know that feeling, parents. And you're like, you're sort of waving really nervously. Everything in you wants to drive behind them and follow them or something. And, and I, he, pulled, he literally pulled out behind Trevor and Elaine Bond. I remember, he, I like, please, don't, please don't hit the neighbours. That would be so awkward. <laughs> and, and he went driving. But here's the thought I just had I wanted to share this morning was, you know, if I was still holding my son's hand, that would be really strange. Mm. Come on, son, you, you're probably not ready for fully walking by yourself. I'll, I'll hold your hand. That would be odd and very embarrassing for him. Or if he was running along and every time he rides a bike, he's like, okay, son, I'll get my running clothes on and we'll, I'll run and I'll hold the saddle. That would be really odd. And although I really would love to sit next to him every time he drives a car, because I think somehow he'll be safer, weirdly, I don't know why, he probably is better by himself. I, It'd be strange if it, it, why is your dad with you, Zach? Imagine his friends going, seriously, you brought your dad to the, you've gone out and you bring your dad, yeah, well, he doesn't like me to drive by myself. As people who disciple and people who mentor and people who parent, we have a responsibility at some point to let go and let people go for themselves. Trevor. Great. Good. Just like Amy to have the microphone a moment. This is my daughter-in-law. Just share what you had about the um, panning for gold. 
Yeah, uh, just earlier in the worship, um, I had a picture of a, um, you know, like where, where you go with your kids and you go to like a gold mine thing and you should have a, like a sieve and you sift out um, and you're looking for fool's gold or gemstones and things like that. And our kids absolutely love it. But I just had that picture of um, a sense of that you filled up a, a sieve and it's being sifted and God wants to just wash through the dirt of the silt and the mud and, and the clay, whatever it is, and reveal to you that you are precious like a gem and like gold and you to see how he sees you, that things need sifting away. Mm, yeah. Great. Let's catch that, shall we? What God wants to do. Equipping an individual to be the person that God has created them to be, drawing out all the facets of gifting and ability in the context of a godly life. So we talked about how Paul talked with Timothy, how he reacted with him. We're going to look at five different aspects of being a discipler. What does it mean to be one who mentors others or disciples others? First of all, a life example. Jesus spent three years with his disciples in very close contact. They saw him, not to put too fine a point on it, in every part of his life. He was involved right close by them. And one thing that really interests me is the way in which, in his life example, they saw him praying and they thought, we need to learn more about this one. So they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. We feel like we're missing out. We can see you praying and we can see that things happen. It's an exciting journey, but we want to know, how do you do it? Now, one of the first people that God gave me to disciple was a guy called Melvin, and he's very different to me. He probably won't ever hear this because he lives in New Zealand now, but he's a, he's a complete character. He had been released from drugs. He'd come through the rehabilitation, and he just wanted to learn. He just sucked everything in. He'd come round to my house, and he'd say, Oh, what about this? What about this? I was reading this scripture, and tell me what you think. And Oh, it did me so much good because... I had to be on my knees seeking God. I had to be coming up with the answers. And he was never going to be like me, never in a million years. But I had something to contribute to his life. And I'm pleased to say he's still going on with God and living a godly life. So the first thing is life example. Paul said to, his, um, uh, to the people in Corinth, be imitators of me. And that's the salutary lesson. Are we going to be ready to be people who can be imitated and uh, uh, still bring glory to God? Second one, teacher. Now, this isn't a teacher to be able to stand up in front of crowds and teach. And This is about being well enough versed in the Scriptures that we can answer the questions that are needed uh, or we know where we can find them or uh, we, can, uh, we know scriptures well enough to be able to pass it on to others. 
There are masses of resources available these days, so there's no shortage of backup information that we can go and find in order to do that. So, teacher. Encourager. A friend and a positive input. <clears throat> in uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, it talks about how um, something of uh, Paul's relationship with Timothy and uh, how he um, spoke to him. It, in fact, it's rather nice having this letter because it, it shows us that relationship at work. 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, For this reason I remind you then to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so he was an encourager to him in the things that he said. And uh, the scriptures tell us always to encourage one another. And intercessor, 2 Timothy 1 verse 3 says this, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Isn't that lovely to feel that Paul was praying for Timothy day and night? He was seeking God for him. He was intercessing for him. He was standing in the gap for him. And lastly, protector. Where necessary, Paul gave uh, Timothy uh, warnings and correction, always based on scripture, not on his whims and uh, various thoughts, but uh, not to control, not to be a controller of Timothy, but to avert problems, to help him to avoid issues. So now, um, later on, you're going to be getting one of these cards, which has got those five things on it as uh, a reminder um, in order to be able to put that into practice. Now, of course, it's always great to have all these things spoken about from the front, but the question is, how do we put this into practice? And you may be think, sitting there thinking, I wonder what's for lunch today. Or you may be thinking, I quite like to be involved in this process. How do I do that? How am I going to get involved? Well, now, let me just encourage you with one little thing. We sometimes think about uh, evangelism, and you get an evangelist here, and he'll say, go out and preach the gospel, or see people saved, and you feel a real pressure if after uh, three weeks you've seen nobody saved recently. But the, if you look at the, the discipling principle... If one person goes out and he sees somebody else saved and then he teaches him and trains him over the year and then the two of them go out and see one person saved and they teach and train that person over the year and then those four people go out and do you know it's 33 years to the entire world population being saved and that's one a year. Now isn't that encouraging? <laughs> what did Jesus say? Go into all the world and have an evangelistic campaign. No. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, do it my way, you'll find it much easier. Now, how about um, praying for and looking for opportunities to lead someone to the Lord, disciple them to maturity, help them to disciple others, 
who can then lead them to the Lord whilst you go out and do the same thing yourself. Let's aim for that as a picture of what happens in the church. Now, you might think, okay, I'd like someone to lead to um, disciple me, and I can see that Sim's doing that with Tim. Right, I'll go and see Sim, and I'll, uh, I'll get myself uh, linked up with him. No, I don't think that's going to work. Do you? This, the whole thing of this is about relationships throughout the church. Nobody without a relationship, everybody in relationship. Everybody cared for, everybody caring for somebody, or being cared for, or both. I've had a lot of times when uh, I've been cared for. I've had plenty of times when I've been able to care for others, and I enjoy the relationship in both ways. Now, I just want to tell you a brief story here that you'll recollect. I don't think Will's with us today, um, but uh, I've passed this by him, and he's okay. Do you remember um, last Christmas, um, Elaine and I sat up here and said, we're standing down from the leadership team. We've had enough of that business. Uh, we said, and I said, one of the things I'd love to do is disciple other people and to do that in practice. And I prayed about it, and the, the thing that God laid on my heart was that it would be good to go and do that with Will Fatchiol. You know Will and Rebecca and the, the kids? And uh, I left it just a little while, and then I went to him probably two weeks after I'd said that, and uh, I, I was just about to say to him <laughs> that I thought this was what God was leading me to. And he said to me, you know when you spoke the other day, God said to me, you get yourself linked in there. And oh, that's you good, doesn't it, to, to have that sort of thing happen. And um, our relationship so far has not been um, opening the scriptures and things. It's been dealing with practical stuff. And it's been sharing life together. But the time will come, and we'll do these other things. Um, at the moment, it's very much on life example, and uh, helping him and encouraging him in his situation. So can I encourage you, perhaps, to start thinking, who can disciple you? Who could you disciple? When we are mature, we can teach others and help them. So there could be more than one relationship. In fact, I was just talking with um, my son Ali here um, about uh, a relationship he has with uh, a guy in Jersey who connects with him. Is it every day? He sends send something every day. And he, he has um, uh, a number of people that he works with. And he meets up with him in London for a tatty old lunch, something. <laughs> You know, ridiculously expensive places. But anyway, he meets up and has lunch and talks and uh, shares life with him when he can. But each day he's communicating and encouraging and exhorting and helping life along and phone calls and things. So it doesn't need to be something where you've, you're in one another's pockets. It's, it's relationship that works is what we're after. Everyone can be involved. I wonder, Alex, whether you could 
Uh, hand out the cards now, please. Please don't feel this is for someone else, not me. What can I do, little old me? Whilst you're receiving your card, have a look at this verse, which is the earlier part of Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Now, the Galilee was the place where they had been at home. That's why Jesus took them there. And then they went to the mountain where God had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Now, can you imagine Jesus at that point? He, he knew who was doubting, who wasn't. Can you imagine him at that point saying, now, I want to tell you about the sheep and the goats. You lot, doubting, you go on over there. He didn't. The next thing he says is, all authority in heaven on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You have your doubts. You have your problems. You have your issues. But... I want you to go and pass on what you've seen, what you've heard, what's happened to you, to other people. Everybody here can be involved in a relationship or more than one discipling relationship. I would love to see the result of this being that there is no one who feels unconnected in this church. Ah, Lord, would you just bring it about? You know, we've got um, a leadership, a, a um, prayer team, rather, and they'll be available here. And you'd like, uh, if you'd like prayer over this issue, prayer to get connected up. Lord, show me where, what you want me to do in response to this. Then today's the day. Come and get prayed for. Or or with somebody else next to you. Or maybe you've never come to that point where Jesus has touched your life and you've started that friendship relationship with Jesus. Can I also encourage you, today's the day, talk to the person with you, ask them, how can I get to know Jesus as a friend? Because today you can do that. I've put a couple of very practical questions for the Connect Groups this week. And I pray that you would get together and look into how you can connect up very practically this, uh, this week. Can I encourage you perhaps to take those cards and to write on the back of the, the card people that you are praying for to become Christians. How about that? That you might see somebody become a Christian, help to disciple them to the place where they can lead someone else to the Lord and where you can see things develop and grow. I'm going to pray for us now. Thank you, Father, that you have given us a, an uncomplicated message here that we should go into all the world and make disciples. Thank you, you've put us here in Romsey. And we pray that here you would help us to do what you've commanded and to make disciples. And that as a result of that, 
other people will be strengthened and encouraged and able to go out and also make disciples. Lord, make us a growing church by your method of discipleship. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.